name is Carrie Barber, and I am part of the women's teaching team at LifePoint Church. This week we are studying 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 through chapter 2, verse 22. A quick review. Last week, we started 2 Peter by learning about God's great grace and the need to live a life of godliness. We were challenged to focus on faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. We were told that we need to grow in these characteristics. This is for a very important purpose of protecting ourselves and our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This week, we are looking into Peter and other prophets of the Bible. Peter is writing this letter while in jail under essentially a death order. He probably anticipated this to be his final words to the believers. Peter lends credibility to his writing by reminding his audience and us that he was there with Jesus and all his majesty and power. Peter tells us that without a doubt, God the Father spoke, saying that Jesus was his son. God gave Jesus honor and glory as well by saying that he loved Jesus. This is real and clearly verbal. God speaking, heard by those that were there, confirming that Jesus was his son. Peter uses his firsthand experience to assure the believers reading his letter that Jesus is real. The stories and prophecies are true, not man's thoughts, but reliable prophecy for which we should heed all the advice and direction until Jesus returns. Now go into chapter 2, which starts with the word but. This means that we need to tie the two thoughts together. I'm going to go back to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, and read through chapter 2, verse 2. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. Peter is stressing how the Bible and the prophets' stories, especially those of the disciples who were with Jesus, are true. He says that false prophets and false teachers are out there among the believers. These false prophets and teachers are introducing destructive heresies. Heresies are beliefs or opinions contrary to religious doctrine or the Bible. Peter says these heresies even deny the sovereignty of Jesus. The word but at the beginning of the chapter is important. Peter is saying believe the prophets because even though they are human, some are with Jesus, just like the disciples, essentially first-person experience. Then there are prophets that have God's words carried along by the Holy Spirit. But there are also false prophets. How do we tell them apart? Peter tells us what to watch out for. Things like destructive heresies or denying the sovereignty of Jesus. The prophet's words should match up and align with God's words. Peter goes on to warn us that many will follow their false teachings and deprave conduct, which is morally corrupt or wicked actions. He says that false teachers will bring the truth into disrepute. The definition of disrepute is state of something being held in low esteem. He's warning the readers that these false teachers will spin the truth, distort it, and minimize it so that no one would be concerned about the truth of Jesus or his teachings. Peter notes that these false prophets and teachers do it out of personal greed for money or fame or 
even the thrill of leading other believers astray. This is just so sickening to me. The actions of leading people astray is a big deal to God and to Peter. Leading believers away from God does have consequences. Peter then transitions to what happened in the past with Old Testament stories of the ungodly and the righteous. These are all stories for which the audience would have been very familiar. But Peter is asking them to recall the information and specifically look at the consequences for unrighteousness. He talks about fallen angels and the cost of their sin was being banned to hell in chains awaiting their judgment day. We hear about this in Genesis 6, where the angels lust after the beautiful women on the earth and came down to have sexual relations with these women. We know that God's heart was troubled over all the evil on the earth. That's in Genesis chapter 6, 1 through 8. Peter mentions the consequences of the great sin was the flood and how Noah, a righteous man, and seven of his family members were spared from the flood. All others perished for their wickedness and ungodliness. You can read this story in the covenant God made with Noah in Genesis chapters 6 through 9. Next, Peter mentions Sodom and Gomorrah, specifically their destruction through burning sulfur. But Lot, a righteous man, was spared. These are not perfect people, but righteous people that God spares. Righteousness is not an absence of sin because none but Jesus would fit that definition. But righteousness comes from a faith in God. Those that sin greatly without conscience or caring for their actions, without faith in our Father and who lead others astray, will pay a price for those actions. Peter uses these stories to show that God knows how to rescue the uh, godly and how to hold the unrighteous for punishment. 2 Peter 2, 9 through 10a. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Peter says in verse 10, this is especially true for those that follow the corrupt sinful desires of the flesh. The Greek word for flesh here is sarx. This word isn't always used in a negative meaning, but basically means that it's something brought about by human flesh without thought or transformation of God. Here it is referring to the sinful state of human beings as an opposition to the spirit, which we have as believers. This is still a sinful world. We still have a sinful nature, but the Bible promises in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Jesus and his death and resurrection by faith has made you a new person. You're not defined by the sinful nature of worldly men. This doesn't mean that you don't see and feel the impacts of the world's sin or sinful human flesh, but that you can use your spiritual connection to Jesus and God our Father to guide your decisions and actions. Verse 10 also stresses the punishment is especially true for those that despise authority. It is only three words in that scripture, but it is so important to grasp and understand. Why is despising authority so dangerous? Well, what is God to us? He's our ultimate authority, and we need to bow to his authority. We are told many times in the Bible that God puts people into power and that we are to submit to authorities. Romans 13, 5 and 6, Hebrews 12, 9, Hebrews 13, 17, and many times in 1 Peter. God wants us to have a submissive heart. Peter calls these false teachers in verse 10 bold and arrogant. He continues to say they blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They enjoy their pleasures while they lead you astray. They sin, seduce the unstable, and are experts in greed. 
they have left the straight way, referring to following Jesus, and have wandered off like Balaam. Balaam in Numbers chapter 22 through 24 let his love of money lead him down the wrong path. God even used a donkey to speak like a human to break through to Balaam's madness of greed. Peter also says that false teachers are springs without water, meaning that they're completely useless. They've used to have life-giving water or truth, but have dried up, certainly not life-giving any longer. Peter tells us that false teachers use boastful words and appear to lustful desires of the flesh like money, power, and sexual immorality, etc. He tells us in verse 18 that these false teachers also entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. This is referring to new believers who are not completely set in the truth of God. They are not the only ones that can be led astray, but they are certainly more susceptible to promises of future and fun of the flesh. Peter says that new believers have finally escaped the corruptions of the world by knowing Jesus, but then they become entangled again, being overcome by the lies and corruption of false teachers. He tells us that these people end up worse off than if they never believed. Peter says in verse 21, it would be better to not have known about righteousness than to have turned their back on the sacred command that was given to them. Peter does inform us that there is judgment for false teachers. In verse 13, it says that they will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. God will judge the ungodly. Peter's trying to get believers to understand that false prophets and teachers are real. They do real damage to other believers and especially new Christians. Jude 1 verse 12, these people, meaning false teachers, are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are hidden among us in our churches, our discussion groups, eating at our tables without a worry about the damage they cause. They don't care about the destruction they cause to those around them, but instead seek to feed and satisfy only themselves. Jesus tells us in Matthew 7.15, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in shepherd's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Sisters, protect your heart, your mind, and your body. Know the truth. It's the greatest weapon against the lies of half-truth. If you don't know the truth, it is so easy to be led astray. Keep searching for the truth and test what you hear from other teachers, comparing it to the Word of God. Respect authorities. Resist arrogance pride, greed, and selfishness. Check your motives and your heart. Our actions are outward pictures of the state of our heart and the health of our minds. We are called to live a godly life doing the will of our Heavenly Father. I would like to leave you this week reading over you the prayer of Jesus. This is what he prayed over his disciples and us in John 17, 13 through 23. I am coming to you now but I save these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know 
that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me.